You're listening to Asbury University's Chapel Podcast, recorded live from our campus in Wilmore, Kentucky. Asbury's Chapel Service hosts speakers from around the world to inspire academic excellence and spiritual vitality. We hope you enjoy today's message. I'm afraid uh, this morning that you're going to get your aerobic exercise because I'm going to ask if you would, if you're able to please stand in honor and reverence of the reading of God's Word. This morning, our scripture reading comes from Acts chapter 17, beginning with verse 22 and reading through verse 28. Acts chapter 17, beginning with verse 22. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship. And this is what I am going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring." This morning, I want to draw your attention to the last part of verse 27 and the beginning of verse 28. He is not far from any one of us. Let us pray. Allow the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts Be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. The only regret that I have about your generation, and I'm talking about those of you who are 18 to 22-year-olds, the only regret that I have is that you missed the greatest decade in human history. That was the 1980s. The 1980s had the best music. It had the all-time greatest movies. My favorite television sitcom from the 1980s was Different Strokes. Different Strokes is the story of two orphaned African-American brothers whose mother dies and they end up being adopted by a rich white businessman by the name of Mr. Drummond and his daughter. And the story follows how these two groups come together and form a loving, beautiful, and funny family. 
And when Willis, who is the older brother, when he would make a statement to the younger brother Arnold, something that would be surprising to the point of shock, Arnold made a statement that has gone down in pop culture history. When he would hear Willis say something that was so surprising to the point of shock, he would say, what you talking about, Willis? What you talking about? I think I was influenced by that, except I took that statement and contracted it just to the first word. So even today, when I hear a statement that is surprising to the point of shock, I say, what? What? I'll never forget one of my best friends from seminary, Jane Pikus. When she was ordained in the Wyoming Conference of the United Methodist Church, I went to her ordination service. And when the bishop placed hands on her, he said to Jane, Jane, I ordain you as an elder in the name of the Father, Mother, Son, Daughter, and Holy Spirit. And it was a very solemn moment. And I was so taken aback by this statement that without thinking, I blurted out, what? <laughs> I ruined uh, my good friend's ordination service with that shock. This morning, I am going to share with you a statement about God that is so surprising, it may shock you. And you may find yourself like Arnold saying, what you talking about, Willis? Or you may hear this statement and you might cry out, you might blurt out, what? But this statement that I want to make about God is absolutely crucial in understanding this statement that the Apostle Paul makes. God is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. What is this statement? It is this. God is simple. God is simple. As a matter of fact, would you say that with me this morning? Say it with me. Say it as a confession of faith, even though you're thinking, what? But would you say it with me? God is is simple. Would you say it a second time with me? God is simple. And in honor of the Trinity, let's say it a third time. God is simple. Now, if you're like I am, that sounds contrary to anything I've ever been taught about God in the church. What I've been taught in the church is that uh, God's being God's way of existing is infinitely higher than the way that we exist. That God's way of being, God's existence is shrouded in mystery. It is beyond our comprehension. And even though we recognize that God has come to us in and through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and we know something about God, even in theology, we say we can apprehend God, but we cannot comprehend Him. 
Our natural instincts lead us to believe that God has got to be the most complex, the highest being that there possibly is. But I'm going to say to you this morning that God is simple. But when we say in theology that God is simple, when we talk about the simplicity of God, we're not using the word simple in the way that we normally and ordinarily use it. So what do we mean? Well, first of all, when we say that God is simple, what we mean is that God does not have a body, that God does not have parts. I happen to be a United Methodist preacher. I happen to be a United Methodist minister. In our book of discipline, we have our doctrinal statements. In our first doctrinal statement, Article 1, on the Holy Spirit, we say that God is without body and without parts. If you have ever been to an Episcopalian or an Anglican church, and I know we have one here in Wilmore, Article number 1, on the Holy uh, Trinity in the Anglican Church, it says the same thing, that God is without body, God is without parts. If you come from a Reformed tradition, maybe you come from the Presbyterian denomination. In the Westminster Confession of Faith, chapter 2, it says that God is simple, without body or parts. This is just the opposite of our own human nature, our own human bodies. Our own human bodies are composed of parts. I loathe to say to you that I have two children, and as they were growing up, I spent more time watching children's television programming than I wanted to. Uh, between you and me, I do not like the purple dinosaur. <laughs> I one time watched Teletubbies. And after watching Teletubbies, I wanted to go to the nearest bridge and jump off. <laughs> but there was one children's educational program that I liked. It was called Blue's Clues. Oh, yeah. I love the story of Steve and his dog, Blue. And uh, one of the things that my children learned in watching that program is they learned a song, and it went like this. Head, shoulders, knees, and toes, knees, and toes. Head, shoulders, knees, and toes. <laughs> Did you not learn that song growing up? Head, shoulders, knees, and toes. Just take a moment. Head, shoulders, knees, and toes, knees, and toes. I'm too old to touch my toes now. <laughs> we learned, my children learned parts of the body. We, as human beings, we are composed of parts. And what we recognize where God is concerned, God is not composed of parts. Think about my human body just for a moment here. You will notice that my human body is spread out over space. Uh, and again, 
like maybe some of you, sometimes my human body is spread out more over space than at other times. Uh, You're actually catching me at my worst time in the sense that my body is more spread out than it was six months ago. I gain weight during winter. But if you think about my body, my body is composed of parts. And as a matter of fact, on a certain level, we would say that the smallest part, there's smaller parts, but would be cells. And the truth of the matter is that if I take my two fingers, I can touch any, hear my language, part of my body at the point of that touch. And so my body is spread out over space so that at any point, I only have a part of my body in that space. Most of you have grown up learning that God is everywhere. We call this omnipresence. But we tend to think about divine omnipresence the way that we think about our own body. So I know everybody in here recognizes that God is here. God is in Hughes Auditorium. But the way that we normally think about that is that what we have in this auditorium is that we have a part of God. And then the rest of God is outside of this auditorium. And that uh, so that the rest of God is filling Wilmore, filling Kentucky, filling the United States, filling the world, filling the universe, and then transcending the universe. The way that we think about omnipresence is that right now we recognize that God is in us. But we think about it like our own bodies, that there is a part of God in us, and then the rest of God is outside of us. What we recognize in divine simplicity, to say that God is simple, is to recognize that wherever God is, He is there not in part, but in whole. So I want you to know right now in Hughes Auditorium, we don't have a part of God. We have all of God. I want you to know right now in your life, you do not have a part of God. God is in you, not in part, but in whole. Because the Father is God, and the Son is God, and the Holy Spirit is God, I want you to know right now in Hughes, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are fully, wholly present here. They are here not in part, but in whole. I want you to know that God is in you, not in part, but in whole. And this is the reason why God is not far from any one of us. But He is the one in whom we live, we move, and we have our being. Really, the question uh, this morning isn't whether or not God is fully here. The question this morning isn't whether or not God is here in whole or not. The question is really whether or not God has all of us 
whether God has us wholly or only in part. I want to challenge you uh, this morning because this is the real struggle in the Christian life. The real struggle in the Christian life, and this is where most Christians find themselves, is that they come to the place where they actually give to God just about everything. But there's usually one or two things in their life that they hold on to. There is a part of their lives that they cling to. And they think that it's all right because I've given God absolutely everything except for this part in my life or for this thing in my life. There's a story told of Vladimir the Great who was the Russian czar who brought Christianity to Russia. And as a matter of fact, he brought Orthodox, Eastern Orthodox Christianity. This is the reason why Russian Orthodoxy dominates the Russian landscape. But he brought Orthodoxy to the Russian people. But when Vladimir had his soldiers baptized, his soldiers went into the baptismal waters. They were baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But as they went into the baptismal waters, uh, Vladimir had his soldiers hold up their arms with their swords being clutched. And every part of their bodies was baptized unto God, except for their fighting arm for their sword. God could have every part of their lives except for this one part. They were God's, not in whole, but in part. And the question I want to ask you here at the very beginning of this semester, does God have you in whole? Or does he have you in part? So what is it to say that God is simple? Would you say it again with me? God is simple. Would you say it again with me? God is simple. First of all, it is to recognize that God is without parts. There are no parts to God. But the second thing that it means is that God's mind is not divided into parts, which is just the opposite of our minds. Our minds are divided. Now, I have to admit, I'm getting a pretty good look at you this, this, uh, this morning. And I have to say, most of you appear to be fairly engaged with what I'm saying here. I'm surprised. <laughs> but I also recognize that for many of you, you are here physically, but mentally you're checked out. And even for those of you who are engaged with what I'm saying this morning, there's only a part of your mind that is engaged. Uh, let me, again, let you in on a little secret. I am probably the most engaged person with what's happening right now in chapel, outside of God. I'm probably the one who's most, and I want to tell you, I'm not fully here. I'm not fully here. And the reason why I'm not fully here is because my mind is divided. There's a lot going on in my life right now. I had a paper that was accepted for a journal, but it, with major revisions. And so the editor sent it back to me and said, now, you've got to get this article, this journal article, back to me by December the 31st. What is today? I still haven't gotten it to him, and he is not happy with me. So I've got this editor breathing down my back. 
My mother, who is 86 years old, has been recently diagnosed with stage four kidney failure. I work as the department chair, and at the beginning of the semester, I have people who want to join classes and drop classes, and I'm involved in, in all of that. So even though I'm the most engaged person here, uh, my mind is divided. And the way that we tend to think about God's mind is like we think about our own mind. We tend to think and imagine God's mind sort of hovering over the created order, hovering over the earth. And we know that there's almost 8 billion people that live on this world. And we think about the trillions of transactions that are taking place in our world alone, much less the universe. And so what we tend to think about is that we have got to compete with everything else that is going on the world for the mind, for the attention of God. My children are grown up. I have a daughter named Maris who's 24 years old. And when your children grow up, when you're a parent, you have an opportunity to reflect upon all of the different ways that uh, you made mistakes. You went wrong in, in raising your children. When my daughter Maris uh, was in fourth grade, we didn't know it at the time, but she was being bullied by other students. And she was being so bullied by a group of girls that her two best friends wrote her a letter saying that they no longer wanted to be friends with her and they joined with the rest of the group bullying her. And we didn't realize how bad it was until in the eighth grade, when my daughter was in middle school, we got a phone call from the school counselor. And we went to her counselor's office with our daughter Maris and we found out that Maris had been so bullied and continued to be bullied that my daughter was contemplating suicide. She was thinking about how she could end her life. Now, my daughter Maris is a lot like I am. I tend to hold things very close to me. I'm not someone who naturally shares the struggles and the pains and the problems that I go through life. And there'd be times and places over the next couple of years, I would try to get Maris to open up about what was going on inside of her. But she was a closed book to me. When she was a sophomore in high school, in the middle of the school year, my daughter came by my office where I was teaching. And she wanted to sit down and talk about what was happening in her life. But I will tell you, it was such an inconvenient time for me. I had a student who was getting ready to come for his appointment. I had a class that was before me that I still needed to do prep for. But I knew that this was a pivotal moment in my daughter's life and in my relationship with her. And so she came into my office and I kept saying to myself, Chris, you have got to focus on what your daughter is saying. 
And my daughter poured her heart out to me for the very first time. And as she's pouring out her heart to me, I find myself saying to her, "Uh uh-huh, oh, honey, I am so sorry. And I realized that when my daughter was done, I had not heard one word she said. I didn't hear my daughter because my mind is divided. I want to tell you I have good news this morning. And that good news is this, that God's mind is not like our mind. God's mind is not divided. Because wherever God is, God is there in whole and not in part. Wherever God is, God is fully engaged where He is. There are no departments, there are no parts of God's mind. It is an undivided mind. And I want you to know, when you pray, when you talk to God, when you pour out your heart to Him, you do not have to compete with the trillions of things that are going on in this world, going on in this universe. God's mind is not hovering over the world. Because God is in you Because God is everywhere, not in part, but in whole. I want you to know he is fully engaged with wherever he is. I want you to know when you talk to God, when you pray, I want you to know he is not far off. but that He is present not in part, but in whole. And I want you to know that His mind is not divided in regard to you. So, this is what I want to challenge you with this morning. Your mind is too easily divided. My mind is too easily divided. I can't tell you how important it is for you to set aside time in the course of the busyness of your lives to try as much as is humanly possible to give God your full attention. God is fully committed to you. He is fully present to you. There is nothing dividing His attention from you. Let me encourage you to have some moments in your life where you take time to talk to Him and you take time in your life to listen to Him. God is everywhere, but He's not everywhere in part. He is everywhere in whole. That is good news. I conclude by reading this last verse. He is not far from.
from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. And now receive the benediction. As you leave here this morning, and as you embark upon a new semester, may you go forth knowing, not just in your mind, but knowing in your heart that God is in you, not in part, but in whole. That as you leave here, that wherever you go, God is there, not in part, but in whole. As you leave here, may the Holy Spirit of God empower you to realize that God's mind is not divided in regard to you. He is fully present to you. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.